Hello, and welcome to the What Moves Us podcast. I'm Natalie Reyna, a dancer and mover with a master's degree in clinical psychology. Join me as I talk with ordinary people finding extraordinary healing through different types of movement. My mission is to spread the message that tuning into our body is not only accessible, but key to our mental health and healing journeys. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What Moves Us. Um, This is Natalie, and I'm super excited um, to have you all back today. I'm here with Natalie Grace, uh, a really lovely friend uh, and awesome healer in the LA area. Um, So Natalie Grace is an intuitive dancer and holistic healer based between the Los Angeles area and Tel Aviv, Israel. After completing her bachelor's degree from the University of Michigan in 2016, Natalie worked at various well-known media companies such as HBO, Viacom, and Condé Nast, where she worked behind the scenes doing content development, talent relations, and digital media. Natalie decided to shift to a more healing-focused profession after a transformative dance experience at a festival in Israel in 2019, and I can't wait to hear about that. (laughs) Um, She is currently enrolled at the California Institute of Integral Studies, working towards her master's of East-West psychology and a certification in spiritual counseling. Natalie is a proud heartrepreneur or heart-centered entrepreneur and runs her own business called Grace Your Life, where she offers spiritual counseling, growth shops, and play shops, and is in the process of creating online self-development courses. So with all that being said, Natalie, welcome to What Moves Us. Thank you so much, Nat. It's so good to be here and to see you again. It's such an honor, and I'm excited to dive into our conversation. Yes, uh, I'm so excited. Um, And yeah, I just, I have to point out that we're both named Natalie. I think that was something meant to be. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so before I get started uh, jumping into the conversation piece of this, I've been asking guests who've been coming on, do you have a practice that you like to do to center yourself? before, I don't know, if you're feeling nervous or if you feel, you know, something is kind of coming up. Mm, Yeah, I love that you're asking this question because this is actually something super central to my life and how I choose to move forward in it. So this is my favorite tool. I don't, I call it like the hand over heart and hand over solar plexus slash womb tool, depending upon what I'm feeling. But it's basically taking my left hand and putting it over my heart and also yeah an invitation to whoever's listening to join me as I I ground myself in this but taking my left hand and putting it over my heart and my right hand and either putting it on my abs where my solar plexus is or on my lower belly and feeling intuitively where it feels better to have my hand in the moment and then just taking a moment to focus on my breathing and feeling my breath and my inhale with my hands lifting up and my hands falling on my exhale and just taking a moment to ride the wave of my breath. And this is something that really centers me and grounds me. It brings me back into my body. It reminds me that I'm feeling that I'm safe to feel my emotions, whether it's joy and excitement or gratitude or fear. Um, and it just really allows me to tap back into these central places in my body that remind me to move 
live and speak from my center. Hmm. Love it. Yeah. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So for the listeners, if you feel called to do that, definitely take a pause here, put your left hand over your heart and your right hand over your solar plexus, lower abs or wherever you feel called and take a couple deep breaths. Um, yay. Thank you, Natalie. That's awesome. Um, so to get started, I know I, I read a little bit about your background, kind of where you grew up. Uh, I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background um, as we go into this. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Los Angeles and my dad is in the entertainment industry in Hollywood. So in a lot of ways, you know, growing up in this environment and in this space, I really was drawn into, into media and to TV, you know, wanting to be an actress, films, going to acting classes, um, doing theaters and, and plays, um, you know, having an agent at one point, you know, so this is really where my, my childhood and early adult years brought me. And so when I went to college in Michigan, um, I studied media and uh, and film on the side. So it was like representations in specifically children's media and film. And when I moved to Israel after I graduated college in 2016, yeah, um, I took an amazing job at a small production company there that's also owned oh. by Viacom. And I was working on a big Netflix show where I was like involved in the Netflix show in so many ways. I acted in it. I had a small supporting role. I did the whole social media and promotions for it behind the scenes, you know, so many different things. And um, yeah, so media and television is really where so much of my life and upbringing brought me. And then at about 2018, I started to understand that. Um, first of all, just to like go backwards a little bit, I never felt truly happy or satisfied in LA, which mm. is why I went to college on the other side of the country and why I moved to Israel. And I actually always felt like I was looking to find myself or mm. I felt more comfortable and, and safe to be my most fully expressed self away from Los Angeles where I grew up. And that's actually, I circled back because that's a huge part to it because sure. basically in 2018, I started to understand that I wasn't happy. You know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't aligned. I was numbing myself with cannabis was a big thing for me, you know, really numbing my emotions and everything going on with cannabis, with, with alcohol, with going out with friends, with, um, you know, just, just losing myself in my external environments. And it was this moment of reckoning and awakening for me where I realized I needed to look within. So wow. I, yeah. So I embarked on this massive spiritual awakening that took me inwards, looking at inner child wounds, sort of what about my lifestyle in LA was not authentic to my true nature and returning back home to myself. So rather than finding who I am, really coming back home. And then, yeah, in 2019, I went to this amazing festival in the deserts of Israel. It was called Sacred Journey. And it was really like, it was really a sacred journey for me. And like, right when I arrived, 
um, I had this whole massive ego death about not being a dancer. Like, I think this is also something else that, that was instilled in me in a very young age and also having to do with my upbringing in Los Angeles and the kinds of people I was surrounding myself with and Mm -hmm. even just society at large that they don't teach us how to be our authentic self and the culture in LA of needing to adapt to who's cool, what's cool, what about you is considered cool. So I sort of just developed this identity that I was a non-dancer like very much so like I couldn't dance it was too awkward and long and too lanky for it or my body just didn't move in the ways that these other bodies moved and you know I would get made fun of in the way that I danced and it's something that I just sort of you know it I think on some level it really hurt but my defense mechanisms didn't allow me to like go there so I would just make fun of myself and like Mm actually um a really a nickname or like a a funny reference for me in college was I was considered the wacky inflatable tube man because I would because you know I would just like like yeah exactly like do that with my arms and my body and and so but basically in, in Israel I had this whole ego death where I understood that I'm not just a non dancer I am a dancer and it's central to my core and it's central to my identity. And so since 2018, you know, I've been on this inward journey very early on movement became a huge part of that. And then over the past five years, these are things that I've been developing and cultivating. And then in the end of 2020, I actually left my job in media and did that big pivot that you mentioned in the introduction where I've been learning so much about myself and how to return home to I am through all these different modalities and how can I be of service and provide similar transformation unique to other people for them, for them to return back home to themselves, find out who they are, show up authentically. And then that's brought me here now where this is where I'm starting to do this professionally and give back and and serve others in that way that I've been served and am continuing to be served by my mentors. Right. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's so like, I can't imagine a Natalie that doesn't dance because like, as soon as I met you, it was like, that's like one of the big things that we kind of bonded over. It's like, we both totally. like to get down and be the wacky inflatable tube man, you know, like yes, yes. <laughs> just kind of do your thing. So that's really interesting because really that wasn't that long ago. It's only like five years ago that yeah. that, that shift really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to pull it back a little bit, it sounded, so you were kind of on this journey of like trying to come back home to yourself yes. already. Mm-hmm. Um, was there a moment specifically that stands out to you where you were like, this is not me. And like, I can't do this anymore. Like what what was that shift that happened before the ego death, like in the desert? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So, oh, oh, this is such a good story. And it just goes to show that we have no idea how we touch other people in their lives. But basically in 2018, I was like, you know, they use the term these days, situationship. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not there. a relation. Yeah. Definitely not a relationship, but like in that weird situation. Yeah. Right. Exactly. 
But so there was this guy who came into my life who um, presented a real, like how I described it in my application to my graduate school was that it like awoke my intuition from the dead. You know, I feel like I've been, (gasps) yeah, like I, it was, it was really big, but I remember that um, all of a sudden he was basically long story short is we didn't really know each other, but he was pretending to be in love with me at like love at first sight kind of thing, Mm. which obviously my ego like ate that shit up, you know? (laughs) Give me more. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Give me more. (laughs) But then I was like, my intuition was kind of like, Nat, that doesn't make sense. He doesn't know you. He doesn't know anything about you. You know, the way that he's looking at you and acting with you. I've I've been in love before. I had a very mm-hmm. deep high school love. And I so I had something real to compare that to. And I just was kind of like, he is not, there's something different about the way he's showing up that my my first love in high school did. There's something, there's not depth there, you know, like. I was questioning it, but of Mm. course, you know, and I remember there was this very active, um, very active battle going on between my head and my intuition. And what did I follow? I followed my head. My head had led me my whole life. What was this new voice suddenly arising? You know, like I followed my head. Turns out my intuition was absolutely right. Um, you know, we all have our own stuff and whatever this guy was moving through or his experiences and how he shows up, it really activated something in me. So to find out that this unknown voice was right, put me in a total identity crisis. And then I was like, okay, I chose not to listen to something that was accurate. And it sort of got me to stop pointing the finger outwards at everything, you know, not liking this about my life, not liking this about my life, blaming this quote unquote fuck boy and that fuck boy and whatever. And being like, what is it about me that needs to change to start creating a life that I'm actually happy about? And Mm -hmm. what's so funny is this guy probably has no clue that it like, he was like the catalyst for the biggest, like, awakening in my life and returning home to myself but it started triggering you know old memories from childhood where I was feeling very neglected and it brought up a lot of stuff around my mom it really activated my mother wound Mm. in ways that took me down this deep deep healing with my mom and you know now she's one of my close friends like Mm. we have a love and relationship today that just didn't exist even five years ago you know? And so obviously nothing transpired with this, with this guy, but like, he was really the catalyst that set me down this whole inner child, you know, healing the relationship with my mother, which took me to healing the relationship with my father, to healing the relationship with my inner child and, and all of this, and even connecting with source and with spirit and loved ones who had passed over and, and understanding that I have this activation and ability within myself to communicate with things that are not there in this dimension. Mm. So this was going on for about maybe 10 months or so, which is what brought me to the festival in Israel. 
where movement came into my life. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to hear (laughs) about the festival in Israel. And I just have one more question before we get there. But so you were able to know that, that you had to follow that voice and to like turn inward, like Mm -hmm. maybe this, this might not make sense, or I don't know if you'll even have an answer, but like, how did you know to do that? (laughs) How did you know to like tune into that voice and to like, listen to that? Oh, I'm so grateful you're asking this question because it's still something that I'm asking myself Mm -hmm. and what's coming through me now is that that voice was so obviously accurate. And then it was, it was a process of learning how to find that voice again. Where was it in my body when that voice came in? What, what texture did those thoughts have that came Mm -hmm. into my mind, you know, um, and what situations is it brought up? And it's, it's a journey that I'm still on learning to find and trust my intuition. And it's something that I'm doing my best as, as, as much as I consciously can to tune in and check in every day. And it's about, um, you know, experimenting and playing. Maybe I have a a thought at this point, like something so simple, like I'm sure we've all had this, you know, I was, I was going to the bus stop one day for work and I just had this one thought that's like, you're going to miss the bus. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And I look at my phone. I'm like, no, I have three minutes to get to the bus or like five minutes to get to the bus. And I'm like, it's like a one minute walk away. You know, the next thing I know, like 20 seconds later, my bus passes by. It was early. And I was just kind of like, okay, so that thought was obviously accurate. Where did that thought come in, in my mind? How did it feel? And, you know, you know, questioning if I find out that something is right, the um the experience that I had when that came in and then taking that information kind of like like a test an experiment in a way and moving forward in the future and you know sometimes we're gonna mess up and mm. you know sometimes we're gonna get it right but then again what is quote unquote right like every decision we make is right because it will bring us closer to that voice if we learn from it Oh yeah. Yeah. Keep it, keep it coming. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, even just hearing you say that, like the certainty of that voice, like that, I feel like that voice is always very certain and it's like, whether or not we choose to tune into it or not, like just how you said, I'm going to be late or I'm going to miss this bus. Like that's so clear. That's so obvious, but it's like, no, like then you talk yourself out of that. (laughs) Yeah. But I love that you use the word certainty. And I Mm -hmm. think that that is definitely a key here. And then exploring where is that certainty coming from? Mm. You know? Yeah. Totally. Ah, Yes. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, So you're going through this whole process. You're you're turning Mm -hmm. inward. You're tuning more into your intuition. And then you end up at, what was the name of the music festival? Sacred Journey. Sacred journey. So you end up at sacred journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me what happens next. <laughs> oh my God. This is such a great story. So first of all, I just want to thank my friend Eli, who really like introduced me to the world of ecstatic dance. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who are not like for your listeners who aren't aware of what ecstatic dance is, it's basically 
um, a type of dance that is solely intuitive movement. It's like what you do when you walk into a space and there's music play and just allowing your body to move to the beat, however it wants to move, you know, no judgment, no criticism, no thoughts about it, just getting out of the head, dropping you into your body. And, you know, this is a movement around the world. There's ecstatic dances everywhere. And if no matter where you are, just type in ecstatic dance, Los Angeles, ecstatic dance, New York, ecstatic dance, Bali, you know, and like, there will be a safe place and community for you to go and explore movement in this way. So just taking a moment to acknowledge my friend Eli, who introduced me to ecstatic <laughs> dance by bringing me to Sacred Journey. And there was something so powerful about the energetic field of that festival. Like I can't, the best way I can explain it is I walked in and my body just wanted to move. And it was so funny because I like, I felt like I think um something about the wacky inflatable tube man is that I always felt like a dead weight in my arms. Like I didn't know what to do with them. So I would just sort of flail them around everywhere. And the moment I walked into the dance floor, my arms started doing like this movement and that movement. And, and I like, it was so clear. I was like, Oh my God, like my arms love to move. And I remember going up to one of my best friends and her boyfriend at the time. And I'm like, Mick, Ari, you know, like my arms love to move. Like my fingers love to dance. And they were like, I love learning about you as you're learning about you, you know? And oh. there was just, yeah. And just the energy there, my body could not help but dance. And mm -hmm. This is, I think it was the next night, like at this first night I realized my body loved to dance. And I was like, this is so weird. Like my arms are like their own entity, you know? And then the second night after like dancing more throughout the day and, and being in this energetic place and we did a cacao ceremony the next night, I remember that I had this massive ego death, whereas I was already exploring dancing all of a sudden you know, I was allowing my body to move and it's frightening also, you know, it depends the mindset you come in. You can come in with like curiosity and excitement, like, oh my God, wow, my body wants to do this and this. And like, I didn't know I could do this or it could be terrifying. You could feel out of control. You could feel like, oh my God, but I'm not a dancer, but I don't move. Why is my body wanting to do this? And feeling like shaken in your core of like, what is going on? Who am I? And like, you're then your head trying to compensate for it. So I think I was very lucky that I was in a mindset of the first one where I was like playing and curious. And the next thing I know, I'm doing ballet moves. I haven't done a ballet class since I was like five. And I'm wow. doing like ballet moves that my body just intuitively knew like to do like on this dance floor. And this thought just dropped in. And again, it was like the certainty that you said of this thought and the quality of how it came in. That was, I am a ballerina. And I just like was shook. And I remember going over to like the altar in the middle of the dance floor and just like having this new realization come in and just all of these identities of, I can't dance. I'm not a dancer. My body doesn't move this way. Wacky inflatable tube man, like all of these things just like melting as I had this realization that 
they were not true. And I had been holding myself back from my, from my expansion and my, my capabilities and my abilities and, and my gifts, you know, by identifying so strongly with something so limiting. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Being able to acknowledge, like, I was holding myself back. Like, that's huge. That's crazy. (laughs) Huge, huge. And I want to bring in, like, as you say that there was a lot of grief in that, Mm. in that moment, it was this grief of, you know, I was 25 at the time. I think I just turned 25 and, um, there was this grief of, oh my God, I have spent the last 20 years of my life thinking that I couldn't dance and depriving myself of something that gives me so much joy. And the amount of, you know, resentment and grief and anger and pain in that was so huge. And on the other side, this excitement and this freedom and this, oh my God, I know this about myself. I can't wait to go out there and just like dance my heart out, you know? And Shake like, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. yeah, it was after this journey that I started dancing in my own apartment before I went out. That became a grounding exercise for me, actually, before I had a date with someone or before I went to work or before like this, I would just like put on a couple songs and just like explore and and, like dance and have so much fun with it. And, and then that's what led me to finding the ecstatic dance community in Tel Aviv. Wow. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's so amazing. That's so amazing. Mm Um, yeah, I want to say too, before I do this podcast, I also dance because it gets my energy out, you know, and I'm like, oh, like I get pumped and get excited. So yeah, dancing has definitely is a huge grounding for me too. Amazing. Um, To follow up with that. So it seems like you were kind of on this trajectory anyways, to like get to that point where you were going to, you know, find the release, find the grief, find the excitement, find all that. Do you think if you if the you before, okay, how do I phrase this? The past you would have been, okay, sorry, (laughs) I'm trying to think the fear side and the, and the excitement side, right? Do you think your past self would have identified more with like the fear side of things? Like if you had gotten to into the festival and you were like, oh, my body wants to move and wants to do all these things. Mm. Like if you hadn't already been on that trajectory, do you think that you, how do you think that you would have responded? Oh, weird question. (laughs) Well, you know what though? I know what you're saying. And you asking that question has actually just like arisen a new insight in me Mm. about myself because my first answer to that question is, oh, fear for sure. Like fear, like shutting myself down. But the more I, the more I realize, again, it's that quiet voice in my head. And the answer is both. Mm. I think that, you know, when it comes to, this is why I was very, um, I told you in my bio intuitive dancer, because, you know, growing up when I was in these plays and performances, choreographed dancing is much harder for me. 
I'm not going to put a limiting belief on myself and say, I can't do it. I was in a sure. choreographed dance, like Latin dance class, like two weeks ago. And I remember thinking to de feeling defeated and feeling like I can't dance again and all this stuff. And then I'm like, no, you know, like maybe intuitive movements easier for me, but choreographed movement, it's like learning to walk. Like I can do it, but this, this mindset of like growing up that I, I couldn't quote unquote do these choreographed dances, you know, made me identify that I wasn't a dancer yet at the same time, I had friends very accurately point out to me that I always loved to dance, you know, whether mm -hmm. it was at the bars or at the clubs in college, or, you know, when I first went to Israel or when I studied abroad in Barcelona, like I always love to dance. And so I think it's, um, it was this combination of when I had that freedom to explore how my body wanted to move, there was a little bit of that excitement and curiosity that would, where I would have fun dancing, yet there was still very much the fear and the comparison and the mm -hmm. like looking at other people and then shutting down and then, and then pushing that away. And then in this moment, feeling really like sexy and fluid in my moves. And then in another moment, you know, feeling like a wacky inflatable tube man. And, and I think that, I think that it was both. So thank you mm -hmm. for asking me that question. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad I got the question out because I was struggling for a second. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Um, so, so now like dance has come into your life and movement is obviously like this huge part of like who you are and like what you're doing. Um, and so I'm curious, like in the past five years, um, I maybe a little more now, who knows, but I'm like math, I don't know. But um, is there like a moment that you think you've responded to differently now that you do have dance in your life, like an emotional experience or like some kind of, um, I don't know, like a, a stressful kind of situation that you can handle differently because you have this outlet in your life? Yeah. Um... Absolutely. I would say that I've understood how important it is for my body to move, that I do. Um, it's an eyes closed practice. Sometimes it's blindfolded and sometimes it's not. I actually, I lead blindfolded because it can be uncomfortable for a lot of people, but I do eyes closed dance where I just will move whatever it is in my body. And, and I will do this as like, if, if I'm getting into my head about something, just put on a song. Um, mm. If just shake it out, you know, if I'm, if I'm feeling upset about something, shake it out. If I'm feeling too excited about something and need to ground, shake it out and move mm. or, or if I'm feeling disconnected from myself, coming back into my body, what what's authentic to me in this moment? And um, it's something that I do a lot and I want to do more, mm. you know? It's still like, it'll like a lot of times it will come to me, oh, put on a song right now. And I'm like, oh, right, that's a great idea. But then there are still a lot of times in my life where I feel like I could put on a song and dance it out and still need to. Mm, totally yeah 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 
I always uh, think about, I'm like, I think I play music all the time because I always am processing things or like trying to, you know, like think about things or uh-huh. deal with things or grieve things. And it's like having that music constantly is kind of let that reminder of like, oh, like, all right, we, we're here, we're in our body. We can just like shake and, you know, <laughs> come yeah. back to the present moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I love it. I love this. Thank you so much for like opening and like sharing all this. Um, It's really awesome to learn more about your journey into dance because yeah, I had no idea that you, there was a time that you didn't dance really. (laughs) I know it's true because when we met at the surrender weekend, we were just immediately like getting down on the dance floor and so much fun, but yeah, you know, it's been a journey for me to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually something I would love to read here. Sure, please. It's um, a letter that I wrote to Ecstatic Dance. So Mm. for those of you that are curious about about this movement or about what I'm talking about, just to really sum up, up everything. But dear Ecstatic Dance, before I met you, I thought that I couldn't dance. I felt awkward at parties and bars, and I had to drink alcohol and do drugs in order to feel comfortable to even slightly loosen up. I don't know where or when or why this belief formed, but it was quote-unquote confirmed every time I took a choreographed dance class as I could never keep up pace, rhythm, or movement. Even my school plays put me in the back where I wouldn't be as seen. And although I loved to dance, I was also deeply insecure. So I used self-deprecating humor, referring to myself as the wacky inflatable tube man you see flailing around frantically at car dealerships, because if I made fun of the way my body moved, I wouldn't take it as harshly when others did. But then I met you three years ago on the deserts of Israel. You came into my life and told me that all of that wasn't true. You showed me that I am a dancer and you blessed me with permission, freedom, and safety to move in whichever way I want to move, promising me that no matter how it looked, my movements were beautiful. You've helped me shed limiting layers of my identity. You've shown me how to reconnect back to my body. You've encouraged me to stop giving a fuck about what others think or how I look. You've guided me to become more intimate with myself. You've introduced me to full body pleasure You've allowed me to experience freedom of expression. You've connected me to my sensuality, to play, to fun, to freedom, to love, to myself and to others. And you are always teaching me something new, how to let go, how to expand beyond my edges, how to trust and flow, how to connect more deeply to others, myself, the world around me. I owe so much of who I've become to your presence in my life, and I am forever deeply, profoundly grateful for you. May you continue to bless my life and that of others, continually guiding us deeper into ourselves and bringing more freedom, confidence, humility, and authenticity into this confused and disconnected world. Wow. Thank you. That's powerful because it's not even, I mean, it's, it's pointing to the freedom that it gave you not only on the dance floor, but like in a lot of different areas of your life is what it sounds like. Yeah. You know, 
getting that full body pleasure and like having that confidence um it seems like that has translated over into many aspects of your life 100 percent. yeah thank you for pointing that out because that's absolutely true for me yeah yeah do you feel that way with you also like when you are dancing and when you are moving that it also translates into other areas of your life yeah you know so I kind of had a funky experience with dance too but I'm coming back to that where I am just feeling happy that I love to dance and you know that like there's always this idea of like oh you can dance or you can't dance and in a lot of ways I've in a lot of different places I've been rejected in the dance world and the, I really held on to those rejections instead of focusing on all the cool stuff that I've also gotten to do with dance mm-hmm. so I'm in this process right now of like reframing my own like dance experiences and careers to be like okay like yeah you got rejected from these things or like oh certain people don't think that you can dance because you can't do a certain way but that doesn't mean that you can't dance so very yeah. similar to you where I'm like re-understanding like no, you actually can dance. It's just like in the eyes of certain people and like, who cares what those certain people think? You right? know? <laughs> yes, yes, so, I'm cool with that. Yeah, so so we're getting there. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that's what it is. It's always the journey, right? Like, yes. even though I've been dancing now for five years, like as you put out, that's not very long in the perspective of things like, I'm still finding that there's deeper layers to go in my journey. There's more to grow into. There's more to discover, you know, exactly like what you're talking about. Right. And I appreciated you pointing out like the idea of grief because I forget who wrote it, but there's like the four gates of grief. Have you ever read that article? I've heard of it, but yeah, yeah. Continue. It's so good. But one of the, one of the gates talks about like grieving your identity, like as Mm -hmm. you move forward, like that's something that we don't talk about. Like when you do have a shift and you do like kind of change who you are, it's going to bring up those same feelings of grief that, you know, are typically reserved for like when a loved one passes but it's like there's so many things in our life that we can grieve and that we're you know allowed to have those feelings for so I just wanted to I appreciated that you named that you were grieving a little bit yeah and it's so true what you're saying because uh, first of all can you please send me this article because I want to want to read it um but yeah it's like we're shedding constantly versions of ourself and so even though there's not like a literal death happening in terms of a passing over of a loved one or someone that we know there's versions of ourself that are constantly dying and being reborn and those deserve you know recognition and and feeling grief for that like you so beautifully stated you know that's how i think we're we can move on into our into our next expansion into our next version of ourselves into the one that we're becoming we we have to grieve those versions of us and let them go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and and so to bring us back to kind of more recent past and to present, yes, you found dance and then um, obviously figured out that you wanted to go in a totally new new identity, kind of new path, <laughs> uh-huh. um, which is exciting and you know awesome that you 
trust yourself enough to do that. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that process for you, like deciding to go back to school, maybe talking about your program a little bit? Mm, yeah. I feel really excited to talk about this part of my life. So when I left my when I left my job and my apartment in Tel Aviv within two days from each other, actually wow. in November of 2020, oh um, yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do except for the fact that I needed to pivot and it was time for me to step into my gifts. What were those gifts? I didn't know I was going to, you know, embark and explore, but I knew that, you know, the past two and a half years, I guess, had been so transformational for me that I wanted to start to serve others in that way. So I also knew that I'd been wanting to go back to school for a while and um, something spiritual and psychological, like in college, I was debating between communications or psychology and and I ultimately went calm route, but I'd be, I knew it was like, again, that clarity, that certainty of my intuition. I knew that I wanted to go back for psychology and I knew that I wanted it to be a spiritual psychology, not behavioral, not organizational, not, you know, what's very um, thought of when we think of psychology today, but what are the elements of our psyche? What makes us the way that we are? Where does the divine get brought into that? And um, one of my best friends went to CIIS um, for a in a different program in a different school. And she said to me, she goes, you know, like my school had a lot of spiritual programs. Why don't you check it out? And this was in the beginning of 2021 when I was back in Los Angeles which I'd only planned to come back for a trip. Like I didn't plan to leave Israel. And so I started looking into programs and I, I looked into this one, which like I understood what I liked about it, but what I didn't like about it and which led me to another one and another one. And when I got to CIIS, my God, I wanted to do every program. Ugh. And basically the East-West Psychology Program is their initial program in the school. Um, the California Institute of Integral Studies is, is very much about integral healing. You know, it's about challenging the West Western society's approach of healing in terms of separation of mind, body, and spirit. You mm -hmm. know, if you're anxious or depressed and you go to a psych psychiatrist, you're given something to treat the mind, but you're not looking at how it affects your diet or your nutrition or your sleep. And then you go to a personal trainer or a nutritionist, but you're not looking at how it's affecting your emotions or, you know, other things. So they really want to bring in everything from the West, from the East, you know, not that East is better than West or West is better, but like, sure. what is good about each of these and how can you combine them? And mm -hmm. my program, the psychology actually goes back to the very roots of psychology so like when first when psychology was first um created what the latin root of the word psyche actually means soul so in its essence psychology is the study of the soul mm -hmm. and over time as like we have become more like tech industrialized and, and technologically advanced and westernized and the scientific method and all of this stuff you know 
the scientific method said, well, we can't prove, we can't study the soul because we can't prove it in these, in these steps. It's not, it's too abstract. So yeah. So that's when psychology became what it is today. So my program really looks at the roots of it and the spiritual traditions from the East. So from um, India and China, you know, Taoism, Buddhism, Hinduism, yoga, um, from the West, we really look at Carl Jung, um, James Hillman, archetypal psychology, dream work, the study of death and dying, you know, all of all of these things. And then we also look at um, around the world as well. So we take in into consideration shamanism and and plant medicine and psychedelics and, and um, the medicines of indigenous cultures, you know, whether it's of and relating to the earth or of and relating to spirit, and then eco psychology as well. Mm, wow. So, yeah. So I knew this program. I was like, this is the one for me. <laughs> and um, yeah. And also, I'm pursuing a certificate in spiritual counseling, which allows me to provide transformational containers for other people just like the ones that I was in that brought me to where I am. So these past two years, I found myself spontaneously in Los Angeles, not able to get back to Israel, but it being very accurate and, you know, diving into my studies and on the side, figuring out, okay, what have I learned about myself and how can I bring this in a tangible way through like an actual offering and, and bring that to other people. So that brings me to where I am now, which is after being on this journey and after two years of planting these seeds and, and working with this coach and getting clarity and finding the courage within me to break through my fears of being seen, of, of being big, of taking up space, of sharing my truth, of coming out authentically online you know I've been cultivating this um this online presence over the past two years that now is starting to come through in terms of actual tangible offerings like growth shops focused on growth mindset play shops which is all about blindfolded intuitive movement Um, that sounds so cool um wow (laughs) yeah and um spiritual counseling and coaching containers and you know shifting also into creating self-development courses for people online that that they can do from their own homes and and that safety and comfort Hmm. so yeah this is really where I'm shifting and expanding and (laughs) yeah yeah That's so exciting for you. And it's so cool to get to like hear what's kind of going on behind the scenes and like what's coming, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, to be able to, yeah, see that and like definitely support it. And yeah, watching your online presence, like even with the Toolbox Tuesdays, like I love those. (laughs) And like whenever I start working with clients, like I'll definitely share those because it's so useful, you know, Um, and it's so accessible. And I think that's something that a lot of people, at least part of my mission in life, I think right now is like showing how accessible these tools are really. Like, Mm -hmm. even if you have limited mobility, like you can always use your breath, you know, like there's ways that like that, that healing is so within that we can everybody can access regardless of where you are or who you are 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that those different modalities will resonate with different people. So yeah, it's, I'm like, so also in support of your mission and that you're spreading these tools and this wisdom around because it's so important and it's going to reach different people differently. And like, some people are going to like resonate with this and with that. And yeah. So, uh, mm -hmm. oh, wow. Natalie, I feel like we could go on forever. I'm like, I just want to keep yeah. talking to you. It's so, it's so fun. So we'll, <laughs> we have to keep talking outside of a podcast, but we do, we do. Um, but I do think that we'll start wrapping it up here pretty quick. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm wondering if you have any like final thoughts on like movement on like your own healing journey. Um, if somebody was like kind of in the position you were a few years ago, what would you want to tell them? What would you want to tell them? <laughs> Give it a try. Be open-minded. Acknowledge the voices in your head that are telling you that you can't do this or that you look this way or that way and dare to be brave to explore beyond those voices tap into curiosity tap into pleasure tap into play and the easiest thing and this is something that I always do even still even now identifying as a dancer come back to the pleasure Come back to the pleasure, find it in your body, find what feels good. Even if it's just wiggling your fingers and your toes and the rest of your body is stuck, wiggle, wiggle those fingers and toes and allow that pleasure to take you somewhere else and to be open-minded to receive and have an experience. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I swear we could keep talking for hours. I'm so, I know. You're so lovely. You're so lovely. So thank you. Wow. Your question, <laughs> your question just by the way, like activated, like, I don't know, my soul inside, like, like, mm. you know, this, like this, this channel from my heart to my solar plexus, like I feel it just mm. like reverberating and vibrating from your question. So yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for like all of your insights, for sharing your journey. Super awesome to hear. Um, and if people want to find out more about you, what, what should they do? <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. So, um, yeah, if you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in more of my offerings and what I'm doing, the best way, the best place to reach me is on Instagram. It's Natalie Berkowitz. We'll put it in the, in the comments section. Yes. Um, and basically I deliver free weekly tools like Nat mentioned, um, toolbox Tuesdays, every Tuesday I deliver tools about how to come back home to yourself, whether it's physically into your body, emotionally back into your heart or authentically, you know, looking at the limiting beliefs and cultivating self-confidence. And I will be posting more of my offerings there. So that's the best place to reach me. And yeah, I'll be starting a podcast soon of my own. This was such an yeah. honor to be here, Nat. This is my first podcast. And yeah. I'm so inspired by you to, to jump in to my realms and, and do my thing and would love to have you as a guest on there someday too. <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely. We're, we're both kind of on this little journey right now. So yes, <laughs> definitely yes. keep connected through it. Um, <laughs> cool. All right. Well, 
Thank you, everybody, for tuning in again to What Moves Us. Um, if you liked the episode, be sure to like and subscribe, um, share it with somebody, uh, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. <laughs>